0: Hey, everyone, and welcome to the Breaking the Barrier podcast. I forgot the word for podcast, so it came out as a padcast. I'm Andrew. I'm Zach. Andrew, how have you been? (laughs) Apparently not great. Yeah? What have you Uh, been up to? Um, I've I've got...
1: No one cares! Okay. This is about me. That is fair. This is about me. This episode is about me, because I did a great thing, and I am wonderful, and I am paying for
0: it. (laughs) That is fair. Well, it's (laughs) funny that you say that, because actually, today, I think, I'm pretty sure if I've done my maths correctly. Which we're awesome at. We're awesome at. Um, I'm pretty sure that today, today's officially the episode that comes out today, you have now been part of the podcast for more episodes than you haven't been.
1: Part really? Of the, yeah. Tipping point. Yeah. Fantastic. That's
0: great. Do I now
1: get 10% of nothing?
0: Yes. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. Isn't that great? <laughs> great. That's wow. That's exciting. Congratulations to Zach for choosing well, this Empty future. I didn't realize this, but I actually wore my breaking the barrier t-shirt. No, today. kidding. Yeah, I did. I, sh- I was gonna put mine on. Yeah. That would have been adorable. So it's if a I did. pity
1: that whole podcast video experiment didn't last more than like three goes. Yeah, it's, that was fun. Yeah. Yeah. Oh well.
0: Yeah. <laughs> anyway, welcome to the podcast. If you haven't listened before, this is where we basically talk about nothing, everything, and sometimes things that matters. Today we're gonna be talking about Zach's crazy one hundred kilometer journey. Three years in the making through Oxfam.
1: Yes, um, Oxfam, it's described as one of the most inspiring team challenges in the world. Um, you and three other people will journey through 100 kilometres. It's not a relay. The team has to start together, stick together, and finish together, and it's tough. Um, it's all for Oxfam. Oxfam works with local charities, You know, sustainable solutions to education, access to clean water... Teaching skills to grow food, and also going into um, places where there's conflicts and advocating for for basic rights. So straight off the bat, you know, Oxfam a very valuable charity. We heard a lot about the value of Oxfam as a charity over the course of the Trail Walker journey um, because they love to get you to donate for that sort of stuff. But it is you know a pretty well regarded cause there. Um, but yeah, Oxfam. Uh, what are we now? Today's Wednesday. Sorry. So five, five days, days ago, last yeah. Friday, uh, we set off and we, we did the app, the Oxfam challenge,
0: which is uh, which was really exciting to actually. Mm. So, well, um, we'll get into it. But before I forget, so yeah. the way that the website lays it out is that you have to you you get through different checkpoints. Yes. Uh, how are those? Is that the same checkpoint?
1: Is it a loop course? Type? No, it's not a looped course. Okay. So it starts the course starts in Endeavour Hills. Yeah. Which is in southeast Melbourne, but not southeast Melbourne. It's in like southeast city Melbourne, mm. southeast Melbourne, thirty five kilometers away. Right. And then it winds on a one way path out through the eastern suburbs, and then into the northeastern suburbs. Uh, And so each of the checkpoints, you arrive at a checkpoint, you walk across a little mat, you're in the checkpoint area that has toilets and chairs and first aid and stuff like that, and then when you're finished in the checkpoint, you walk out across another mat, and that's what the timing would have shown you. It would have shown me walking into a checkpoint, Hmm. and then it would have seen me walking out of a checkpoint.
0: Average time in a
1: checkpoint, what do you say? It depends, because sometimes, as you'll hear... We didn't do our swap of stuff in the checkpoint. We okay. did it just outside the checkpoint. So our leg of walking looks like it was 20 minutes longer than it actually was, but our time in the checkpoint was one minute. Oh, okay. Because we basically took the time to
0: just walk straight through the checkpoint. Because I was going to say there were a couple of checkpoints where it was like, they weren't there very long. There was
1: one checkpoint that was literally less than a minute. Right. Yeah, because yeah. we basically just, we'd done our change stuff two kilometers down the road, and so we just walked through the checkpoint and out again. and yeah. didn't even stop. Yeah. Fair enough. No mm. reason to stop twice. Yeah. Uh, as you'll hear, the checkpoint timing was a big challenge for us. Okay. Big lesson learned from checkpoint timing on this event. Yeah. Okay.
0: Well, mm. let's get into it. Tell me about the week leading up.
1: I, I have never been as rested going into an event as I was. Um, yeah. I did the Warburton two weeks before, so the sixty 50Ks at Warburton two weeks before, but I had planned to do the Brimbank with you, mm. and so I had very little running in the week between Warburton and Brimbank. When I didn't end up doing Brimbank... I was like, well, there's not much I can do now leading up to Oxfam because Oxfam's on Friday. So I literally did two 10K runs in the week leading up to it and just concentrated on not overeating. Like a couple of carbs here and there. Mm. But apart from that, there was no real training I could do. In In the weeks between Warburton and Oxfam, I think I barely got 35Ks of running done. Wow. So I was extremely well rested and ready to go. <laughs>
0: what, did you find that, was it more walking? This So did you do a lot more walking training than anything
1: else? So I think that's a big lesson we took away from this. We did not do a lot of walking training. Mm. We did a lot of uh, running, walking training. Sure. Uh, but we definitely, tra- even with Daryl, who was part of the team, who had a sore knee, And because of that, we had a no-running policy for this event. But even with that, our training leading up to it, we didn't go off and do 30-kilometer, 40-kilometer, 50-kilometer walks. We went off and did 20, 30-kilometer runs. Interesting. And we did night runs and hill runs, but we definitely did way more running training mm-hmm. than we needed to do for this Oxfam and not enough walking training. Because
0: walking works in a different way. T- turns
1: out walking turns out to be very different 24 yeah. hours in. Yeah. yeah, walking's tough.
0: It's a good, good, Tougher than you expect. good workout on your hip flexors, apparently. Uh, I think
1: uh, it's a big lesson of train for the event you're doing. Sure. Work out what you're going to do at the event. And once we realized as part of this event that because we didn't want to... We, we were worried about Daryl. We yep. were worried that his knee wasn't going to cope. Daryl was worried that his knee was wasn't not going to cope, and because he basically took six months off, he was worried that his fitness wasn't going to cope. Mm. So we were like, right, we're not going to smash you in the first thirty k's running for no point, right? Just to be slow at the end. Um, so we had a strict no running policy for this, um, but we should have trained for no running. For some reason, we trained as if we were running a fifty. We basically trained for the Warburton fifty k run. Yep. And then forgot the fact that two weeks later we had to do twice that, yeah. and it was all going to be walking.
0: It's amazing how you can take something like walking for granted. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's so you, you say to somebody, "Yeah, yeah, 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 I can walk. I can walk." Even people who do the um, uh, the 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 walking half marathon for the charity that Andy and Maria always do—it's a walking. Uh, walking stars. Yes, thank yes. you. You find that a lot of people are much more sore. After walking twenty-one k, than they thought
1: they would be. Yeah, he's uh, uh, having just done it. You can train for a fifty k trail run, and it will get you through a hundred kilometer walk, but it's not the same as training for a hundred kilometer walk. Sure, they're absolutely different. Sure,
0: yeah. it's that's fair. It's kind of mm. like you know you can train for a fifty k on, mm. you know, uh, marathon training, but it's not quite the same. It's not quite if the you same. don't do a full marathon before. Yeah, it's not optimal. Right. Like it's
1: not. It's it's it's. Good enough and it's a heck of a lot better than doing no training at all. Yeah, but it's not the, the best. best. Mm-hmm. Once you start really starting to measure right, where did I lose five percent, ten percent, those things in the retro start to come back.
0: Yeah. yeah. So leading up race day.
1: Uh, so race day was an early start. Yep. Woke up at three thirty in the morning. Wow. Um, that. had everything ready to go, mm. like everything was ready to go, um to the point where I was ready ten minutes before my four o'clock pickup. Like, I was literally wake up at 3.30, everything was laid out. I, I actually woke up at 3, and then I just sort of lay awake till 3.30. Mm. So when the 3.30 alarm went off, I was like, ping, I'm awake, contact lenses in, clothes on, go stand out the front with my gearbox. Um, and so the way it worked is that um, we all, everyone got to my place, and then we jumped in one car and drove across to my mum's place, which is on the other end of the side of the city and we parked the car we drove in there because that gave us a base. Mm-hmm. So we had a change of clothes there and we knew if anything went wrong, we just needed to get back to mum's place and we had a change of clothes and a car and all that sort of stuff. And then we got an Uber from my mum's place to the staff line. Right. Uh, meanwhile, back at home, we had another car which had all of our gear for the event in it. And so that was what the people who were our support crew would drive to a checkpoint with all this gear. Okay. We'd have our gear and we'd do our thing and then the support crew would drive off and find the next person of the support crew, hand over the gear, and then that new person would go to the next checkpoint. So we didn't have a situation where we had one support crew for every checkpoint. We had almost literally a different person at every checkpoint, bar two. So our support crew had to do a lot of working out where to meet, where to hand stuff over, a lot of synchronising of timing, whereas other teams that were doing it had one support crew, and that support crew was like, right, go to this checkpoint, team turns up, do their thing, team goes off walking, we just go to the next checkpoint and wait. What do you think... So you've come now from a
0: place where you've done the Backyard Ultra, where you had mostly just basically one crew. What do you I think? Had,
1: I had, yeah. So for my first Backyard Ultra, I had Daryl all the way through and you for a bit of it. Yeah, bit so more than a bit of it. There was a significant part where you weren't there. Two laps. They were the worst laps. Yeah, well, Coincidence? I
0: think, I not. think not. Yeah. Uh, so what do you think is easier uh, to, um, to coordinate, to mm. have... Um, I would imagine, so my thoughts would yeah. be, you have one crew, they know exactly what you're going through the whole time. You don't need to keep re-explaining if there's things that The best need to... teams had one crew.
1: Okay. I mean, the very best team, spoilers, basically had no crew at all. Right. They just went through and ran through the thing like you wouldn't believe. They, they probably had a crew at one or two stops, not every stop. The next level of people who were trying to do it and be competitive... I mean, it's not a race, yeah. yeah. but the ones who were trying to do it to a certain time, they had one crew. Mm. Because what we found is when someone has driven from one side of the city to the other to meet you, you don't want to just go through and say to them, Hi, I got my stuff by and be yeah. gone in five minutes. Yeah, that's fair. You kind of feel like you're going to linger around, especially towards the end when you're getting tired and mm. you'll look for any excuse not to get back out on the trail. Yeah. Having this, a new person every time can be great, but it also means you've got to explain what's happened. You've got to retell the same stories. It's like, yeah, yeah, it's tough. One, one crew based on the same side of the city as the event, that's the optimal way to go. Okay. We, we were at a disadvantage because we were coming from the West. So all of our support crew, bare, bar my brother-in-law, had to travel an hour mm. to get to us an hour back. Right. So that's a lot to ask. Yeah. yeah.
0: Mm. Well, good for them. Shout out to all of them. That's well nice. done. Yeah, so
1: thank you to Donna, Chani, Ingrid, Luke, uh, all of you for helping us out. Um, I don't think any of you listen to this podcast, so oh, that's, that's a fine. shame. Yeah, maybe that's, you'll start. Maybe. Yeah. yeah, I doubt it. Yeah. So the, the um, so the <laughs> the four of us who um, did it. It was me, Daryl, mm-hmm. Simon, and Omar. Um, so the L Pace Bros, um, Daryl, Simon, and Omar had tried to do this event in 2020. We'd all tried to do it in 2021. COVID. We've spoken about that before on the podcast. Have we? I think you know what it is <laughs> if you don't go back and listen to 20 episodes. <laughs> um, but yeah, they said at the start line, they said, hands up if you entered last year and it got cancelled and a whole bunch of people with their hand up. And they're like, hands up if you entered the year before and it got cancelled and a whole bunch of people put their hand up. And They're like, yeah, we're finding that most people who are doing the event this year are people who have just hung on from that last two events. It was probably the smallest Oxfam they've had in a long time. Really? They had... a bit over 200 teams do it, Mm. which equates to about 800-odd people. Normally, they'd have 2,000 people do it. Wow. So it was a lot, lot, lot smaller. And they said people just... There was very few new teams. People just weren't confident to enter because they weren't sure if it was going to get canceled. Well, that's
0: the thing. It's like you get to these events, and that's what so many people find... Uh, myself included, you kind of show up to these events a little bit under-trained because you're just not sure and you just can't keep that training going. So something like this, potential 24 hours, you're like, if you're under-trained,
1: you're not going. Exactly right. So if you don't know that it's going to happen, you're like, well, why would I bother? So so for that, we thought that, okay, well, the teams that did turn up were going to be pretty schmick. Um, Schmick? Yeah, we thought that, you know, there's going to be some hot laps out there. I like schmick. Um, So we were at the 6 a.m. start. We were at the very, very first start. That was for a lot of teams who were doing the six a.m. start. Were teams that were like, "We're going to go through nonstop." Mm. Teams that started later were teams who were like, "We're going to get to the halfway point and we're going to camp for the night and then go the next day." Or some teams even camp for two nights and finish on the Sunday. What was the cutoff? Forty-eight hours. Okay. Very generous cutoff. Right. So, um, and I think the latest team we heard was forty-six hours. So I think Mm. the team that took the longest did 46 hours, but they took it very relaxed. Yeah, yeah.
0: okay, fair enough. Um,
1: so we started at 6 o'clock in the morning. Um, it's technically 6.07, which instantly put us seven minutes behind our target pace. Well, that makes me sad. Yep, so we weren't happy about that. In um, 100 kilometres, does seven minutes make a big difference? Every minute counts towards the end yeah. <laughs> once you're counting down <laughs> step by uh, step. I could have been here seven minutes <laughs> earlier. Exactly, yeah. yeah that's fair. Um, so we... The, the first step was from Endeavour Hills to Listerford, Listerfield. It was about 11 kilometres took us about two hours or so, um, which wasn't too bad. Um, it was dark. We were hearing headlamps. Um, we finished about five minutes ahead of schedule. There was a couple of hills in there. There was a couple of bits where it was single trail and you couldn't overtake anyone. Mm. Um, everyone was very excited at the start. There were some teams that were very caffeinated and well, ready to go. I was going
0: to say, that's a pretty good pit. What's that, like an 11-minute climb? Yeah,
1: yeah, about that's that. That's pretty yeah. good. Not bad. We worked out for us to finish in we we had a goal time of 23 hours 45 minutes Mm -hmm. and that included half hour breaks to 45 minute breaks at the rest stops and walking an average of 5 kilometers an hour yeah okay so and we that was like we were like that's the minimum Mm. with Daryl's knee we were like that's what we feel comfortable doing if we can go faster than that great but we feel like 23 hours 45 minutes is a reasonable target to go after Mm. and we were 5 minutes ahead of schedule after the first stage, pretty uneventful stage, you know, everyone's full of energy, talking about stuff. Um, The highlight from the stage was, a lady who, I kid you not, tripped and fell flat on her face, 200 meters into the race. Bummer. And I'm not talking about a trip stumble, go down on my knee. I'm talking about a full slip on the banana, face plant. And, You know, basically stopped half the event because she was right in the middle and we all had to help her. I could just imagine she had to do another 99.8 kilometers with whatever had happened to her in terms of falling and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah. That's awful. Not great. Not great at all. Um, But, yeah, to give you an example, the first checkpoint, we were through in a minute. Okay. So, we we knew that we weren't going to have anyone meet us at the first checkpoint. Yep. So, we just carried everything on our backs for two checkpoints. Got to the first checkpoint, walked straight through.
0: So what did you have on your person at any given time?
1: So I had a, a running... We all had running vests. Yep. We didn't take backpacks. A lot of teams took backpacks. Okay. Uh, a lot of the teams that were trying to go a little bit faster took running packs. I'd have a liter of water. Mm. I'd have an emergency kit with, like, bandages, um, poncho. Um, I'd have a jacket in there for during the morning and night stages. But I dumped that with my gear during the day when I didn't need a jacket. Yep. Um, I'd have two packets of like trail mixy stuff, like combinations of nuts, snakes, coffee beans, uh, cliff bars, a couple of Snickers. Mm. So I was always carrying a couple of packs of trail mix, uh, phone, uh, headphones, sunglasses, that sort of stuff. Smash. So basically, um, probably heavier food then you would do on like a race yep. where you, you know, you'd you carry gels on a food. But this was a race. This was an event where you couldn't do gels. Gels would have just gone through you and destroyed you after eight hours. <laughs> sure. You needed to have proper food. Yeah. So it was like, this is not a time for protein bars and stuff. This yeah. was a time for dates, nuts, or tar- like stuff like that. Yeah. And again, trying not to have too much dried fruit and stuff, because that can also play havoc also with, you. with you. Yeah, yeah. I actually found that in the middle of the day, when I wasn't having a proper meal at an aid station, um, Potato chips are always good. Beef jerky. Yeah. Really like the beef jerky. A lot of sodium too. Yeah. A lot of salt. That was really good. I enjoyed that as well. Um, So that's basically what I was carrying. Yeah. Um, So the next stage was Listerfield to Ferntree Gully. Yep. Again, relatively flat. There's a couple of hills now and there. Um, They felt like hills at the time. But once we got to checkpoint the third stage, we realized they weren't hills. Um, And we actually started to fly. Like we were going so fast in the second stage. I don't know why. I honestly can't tell you that we were running ahead of schedule to meet Donna at Checkpoint 2. Checkpoint 2 was a checkpoint where no one could come visit, but we'd arranged to meet her down the road. But we got there so early, and she, of course, had to come from the other side of the city that she was running a little bit late, that we got to the town of Upway, and we're like, what do we do? And thankfully, I had to go to the toilet, um, which sent me all around Upway, trying to find this damn public toilet to figure (laughs) it out, whilst the guys just sat there on the side. And then Donna turned up, Changed shoes, so we changed out of road shoes into trail shoes because the next two sections were a little bit more complicated. No vapor flies. No vapor flies no. on this. Fair enough. Didn't probably didn't need trail shoes. Okay. It was pretty dry. There was no. There was like one mud puddle. Yeah. So you probably didn't need trail shoes, but just gave us comfort. Yeah. Um, to do it, and it was just nice to change shoes. Yeah. Like after, what would it have been it would have been twenty four k's at that point. It was just nice to put a different pair of shoes on. Sure. Yeah. And so, and so because we did that, because we did our. Checkpoint two on the road. Our time for the checkpoint looked pretty long compared to what we thought we would do, but we were in the actual checkpoint area for 26 seconds. Okay. Yeah. So we walked in, turned around to walk out, and the guys like, "Do you want some fruit or anything?" We're like, "No, nah, we're good." We, we grabbed all our stuff down the road. We had a coffee down the road and yeah. all that sort of stuff, and off we went. So, stage three, 86 kilometers to go at this point. Yep. This was the tough stage. Hey, um, this wait. is
0: the ah. 76 kilometers.
1: Uh, yeah, 76 kilometers Yeah, ago, okay. Correct. Sorry, yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. with you. No, you're right. 76 kilometers ago at this point. Mass this, this was the toughest stage. Yep. This was the thousand steps out at the Dandenongs. Oh, yeah, I've done that. That sucks. Yeah, so we don't actually do the thousand steps. Okay. Oh, we do the trail on the side of it, which is even worse oh. because it's a slippery trail. Yeah, bummer. Like, the steps are actually easier because then you can at least step, get your footing, step, get your footing. Yeah. They're a pain in the butt to go down, but they're actually better to go up than this trail. This yeah. trail, you're like slipping all the time. And this was where we were, like, most worried about Daryl. And this is where Daryl probably struggled the most with his fitness. Mm -hmm. His knee didn't hurt him at all. But his fitness was definitely behind me and Simon and Omar. Omar was going great. Omar was like, oh, man, I really wish we could do some running. He's a closeted freak. Yeah. Omar did really well on this event all the way through until, like, maybe halfway through the last stage. Then I think the fatigue of 24 hours started to get to him. Yeah. Daryl's worst part was stage three. Daryl was like stage one, stage two, oh geez, you know, I'm I'm really worried I'm not fit. Stage three, okay, noticeable that he wasn't as fit as normally Daryl would barrel up the hill ahead of me. Yeah. Daryl's like a mountain goat. So normally up a hill, he would have just gone whoop and I would have been sitting there looking at his ass the whole time. This time I was in front. So I'm like, okay, Daryl's fitness is obviously not there yeah. if I'm in front of him going up a hill. Um but but even still, we got through like another we found another ten minutes or so. So we got into checkpoint three, and we were 25 minutes ahead of schedule. So we were that was our our lunch break. So we were getting Donna was meeting us for the second time, bringing us some Subway and stuff. Um, and we had 45 minutes planned there yep. for like a lunch break. But by the time we got in 25 minutes early, and then we were like, well, we're kind of up right now. We got out on the course, um, like bang on where we were needing to be. Um, and so at that point, we we're like. We're starting to reassess time, like at that point, we're messaging the support crews, going, We're half an hour ahead of schedule, and we've done the hardest bit of the course, mm. and we're all still feeling okay at this point. What's you know, and the support crew are messaging back, going, Well, you know, some of us have to do stuff over here in the west before we drive over. So, can you slow down? <laughs> and we're like, No, we're not slowing down. We're whilst the going's good, we're going to get going, like yeah. we're going to keep pushing on with this. Um, they had these tokens every 80 to 100 meters, they had a reflective tag okay, hanging, which was. Which would guide you on the course, and Simon and I got into a competition of we had to tap every one, which in some cases meant we did a detour four metres four metres off the trail to go tap this thing and run back, and then we were hiding it from each other, and it was it was high spirits. This was easily the uh, the the freshest bit of the, yeah. the course where you know Daryl was happy that he'd gotten through the big hill, Omar was feeling great, Simon was still feeling good, I was fine. This is it. This is a uh, grace. This is... And this is how many kilometers in again? So at the end of this, we'd have done 35 Ks. Okay. So 35 Ks in, everything's going to plan. Great. Yep. Stage four...
0: Yeah, it's when you say that everything's going to plan and there's a little bit of pause. It's like, that's (laughs) generally where things start to stop going to plan. I
1: wouldn't say the wheels fell off in stage four, but the wheels... Looking back, the wheels started to wobble. Got some flat tires, maybe? Yeah. Yeah. So... Partly because, according to our plan, this was the fastest we did uh, compared to plan. So, Mm. we were meant to do this stage in two hours 40. We went sub 220.
0: So, I need to ask. So, okay. So, you have this plan of how you want to do this. Yep. But you never really, you didn't walk train. So, it was kind of just, you just kind of guesstimated. We kind of guesstimated. Okay.
1: Well, so Daryl's a slow walker. Okay. I hate to out him but he's a slow walker. He's a very slow walker. He knows that even at the best of times, he's walking at like 11 minutes a kilometer. Okay. So we kind of looked at that and went, all right, let's say five minutes a kilometer. I, I would have loved to have put six minutes a kilometer down or something like that, but it wasn't realistic. Even five and a half wasn't realistic. Mm-hmm. So five minutes a kilometer was pretty realistic for what Daryl walks normally when he's fresh, um, considering he was going to have to average it for 100 kilometers. Yeah. 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 So okay. I'm, I'm sorry, Daryl, but you are. You walk slow. You know you walk slow. Bummer. Yeah. He's a good runner. He's a great runner. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That's why I'm like, this is why you should run all the time. Yeah. You can't walk for shit. Well, yeah. bummer. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, it was a lot of guesstimation yeah. about what we thought it would take. Mm. Um, I mean, your your best, the best time per kilometer or best kilometers an hour for this sort of event, when you look at what the winners do it in, they're actually only doing like eight kilometers an hour. Okay. But they're just kind of shuffling the whole time and they're not stopping.
0: So that's like a, what, seven and a half minute?
1: Yeah. Seven and a half minute kilometer, okay. Yeah. Yeah. so they're just shuffling along. Yeah. They're, they're just doing it easy, but they don't stop. Yeah. They don't stop for anything. They, they just go straight through the aid stations, You know, maybe have max like a 20 minute break at one point, and that's it, they just keep going. Yeah. So they come to the aid station, their support crew is there. Their support crew isn't there to have a chat. Their support crew is there to hand them something. And they're where we sat down to have some subway for lunch, they need subway on the road. Right. They just they'd slow down to walk to eat that, and then they'd keep going. And then they keep going. Just a completely different breed. Yeah. So stage four for us, we went faster than we should have, so we ended up you know finishing the stage an hour ahead of schedule. Yep. Or b- close enough to an hour ahead of schedule. Wow. Okay. Um, and at that point, we're th- sitting there going, right, we've, we're an hour up in the first half of the race, and that's the hard bit. We'll at least be able to hold that for the second half of the race, mm-hmm. maybe even get faster. Um, the checkpoint that we got to wasn't even set up for us. Okay. Like we had we had a break to change shoes again and grab some stuff outside the checkpoint where my brother-in-law Luke met us. But then when we got into the actual checkpoint, they were still setting up mats and tables and stuff like that. So they were obviously not expecting people to get to the uh you know, fifty K, forty-eight K mark until a little bit later in the day, because they were still setting up. So Mm -hmm. the really fast teams had gone through at that point, and we were even still a little bit ahead of what they thought the majority would be. Right. Um, Which was, you know, we were feeling pretty good at that point. Um, Daryl did make a comment to me at one point that he was like, oh, I feel like they're starting to struggle a little bit back there. Like, Daryl and Simon and Omar, but mainly Simon, were just lagging behind a little bit. We'd we'd kind of spread out. You know, we'd been going at that point for, oh, jeez, I don't want to know, um, you know, a while, uh, 7 hours or something at that point yeah. everyone was starting to get a little bit fatigued Yeah. Um, but then yeah we, we got out of Mount Evelyn and then there was a stage Mount Evelyn to Lilydale 10 kilometres, flat not that hard not that interesting but not that hard
0: sometimes not interesting though can be mentally
1: not interesting was hard for, for omar yeah and simon they not this stage here that we've done this stage before they didn't like it yeah they okay. really didn't like it is it because it's boring because it's just, boring yeah i think cause it's boring that's yeah. hard it is yeah um so simon the bad day out for simon started here okay simon started to have a bad day so you know 50ks in leading up to our evening break which was about five thirty or so um He was just struggling. This this was the first time as we came into the final checkpoint and we were like, hey, how's everyone going? He was like, I'm done. I'm I'm not doing well. I think I'm done. Wow. And we're like, you're not pulling out at 58 Ks. Yeah. He's like, oh, I don't know. know, I'm not sure. And he started talking about quitting. Wow. For the first time, 58 Ks in. Simon's been dealing with planter. Okay. So the week before the event, he didn't run because his planter had been playing up. And... He taped his foot up the day before and then just kept re-taping it again and again. At the end, he had like this huge ball of tape on his foot because he just laid the thing up with tape. And he also did a bit of a smash course on Voltaren Uh. and then threw a bunch of Nurofen in. Uh. And Simon's not a big eater during these events. That's why... Simon will do a marathon on a handful of jelly beans. Yeah. And that's fine when you're doing a four-hour event.
0: Yeah.
1: And Simon's done... Warburton, which is six hours, and gotten through it. Again, not on a lot of food, not a lot of fuel. Sure. But after six hours, your body sort of reaches the point where it's like, if you're not putting fuel in, then two hours after that, seven hours, eight hours in, you're going to start to suffer. Same thing happened to me on the back out ultra I did with Daryl. Yep. My f- fueling and nutrition was off. And what happened? I bombed out after 64Ks. Yeah. Simon, on this event, not fueling as maybe as well as he could have. And also, he had nausea. From all the stuff he'd taken,
0: I can relate. Yeah, and yeah. so he
1: wasn't eating, and because you're not eating, it just becomes a spiral. Yeah, and so 58 kilometers in, he's like, oh, I'm, I'm not doing well here. Yeah. So, um, he was limping a little bit. He said his foot was hurting a bit, but um, he, you know, he, compared to how he was limping later on in the event, yeah, this wasn't that bad, but mentally and stomach wise, he'd already sort of started to go, oh, I don't know if I can go on here. Scary. Which is not, which is not great. That's yeah. not where
0: you want to be. Not where you want to be. Because you still got. A marathon to go.
1: Well, yeah, you had a marathon to go, yeah. and the rest of us were feeling really good. Like, the rest of us were sitting there going, oh, jeez, if, if we can get through this quickly um, and get back out on the road, like, you know, is sub... Tw- our plan was twenty three forty five. Is sub-22 an option? Mm-hmm. At one point, Omar was like, we can go in 20. Like, at one point, we were actually on pace to, if we just kept going at that point, to go sub-20. Yeah, wow. Which is pretty good. Um, spoilers, we did not go sub-20. That's fair. Yeah. Um... <laughs> So, we ended up taking a bit longer at this rest stop than we should have. Um, you know, it was meant to be a 45 minute rest stop. Um, we ended up taking like 54 minutes or so. We just needed to give time to, like, we had some pizza. Simon had some pasta. We just needed to give it time sure. to let people eat. People went up to the toilet and got changed and everything. It was just, it was a real lesson where if you're not on your game at these aid stations, time goes so quickly. Yeah. Time just slips past. And so you don't realize, like, we walked out of it and people were like, okay, so how long was that? Half an hour? I'm like, that was 56 minutes. Yeah. No, it wasn't. I'm like, it was 56 minutes, guys. We were in there for 56 minutes. And it just, no one would have thought that we'd done that. They're like, no, we sat down, we changed our clothes, we had something to eat, we got up and we went. I'm like, no, we didn't. We sat down doing nothing for a long time. Yeah. So a big part of it was because, you know, we we kind of had to wait. You have to wait until everyone's ready to go. Like if one person's standing up, and I found myself being that dick, a couple of times on this <laughs> thing, where I'm like dressed, I got my vest on, and I'm standing over people going, "All right, we're going." You can't do that as a yeah. team. You gotta.
0: I imagine yeah. that you, though, as kind of the leader, because you're you're kind of the one with the most experience, as in you've done the most uh, well, long distance. Daryl's
1: done Oxfam nine times. Yeah, really? Yeah. Okay. So Daryl, Daryl was definitely the more experienced... Like we were walking on the Oxfam trail. And I was like, we didn't do this during practice. And Daryl was like, yeah, no, they did this seven years ago. Blah, blah. So he'd he'd done this this course before. Who has he done it with? Well, not... um, Daryl has other friends. No, he doesn't. He does. Daryl has people that you don't know about. Incorrect. Okay.
0: All right. Well, Daryl lied. Well, (laughs) continue your story. Um, Your BS story. Well,
1: exactly. It's all a lie now because of Daryl. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So, yeah. um, Pizza and pasta for dinner. A um, couple of Gatorade. Omar drank my red Gatorade. Um, jerk. Which was a jerk act, so I made his wife bring me a red Gatorade. I thought you were going somewhere else Yeah, that. no, I didn't, no. Um, this was where I first had my little... I had my one struggle for the day Yeah, came up at this point. I swapped shoes um, at the previous checkpoint, so I took my trail shoes off and I threw on another pair of shoes. Something about that pair of shoes that I've ran marathons in, this particular day started to give me a blister on my left foot. Yeah. And so... Not great. Was it a shoe issue or a sock issue? I don't know. I changed socks as well. Okay. So I don't know what it was, but it gave me a blister. I threw a Band-Aid on it. The blister was like tiny at this checkpoint. It was about the size of my little fingernail. By the end of the event, it was like the size of two thumbs together. Mm. It was pretty big. Um, But Daryl gave me this awesome blister band-aid that goes over the top and just kind of sealed it all in yeah but there was enough there where it was rubbing which meant i sort of started to walk a little bit different on my left foot uh, which meant my left knee started to twinge a little bit yeah. so but that's okay popped some panadol tried to stay away from the nurofen popped yep. some panadol just to try and take care of it um had some nurofen later of course because you can't do an ultra event without nurofen no it's, yeah no, it's it's at least a, once no it's the m&ms at ultra exactly, event. exactly. um and that was that was the only problem I had the entire event was just good. that sort of thing. That's good. Um, Daryl, fine. Daryl at this point is like, I've done the hardest bit. I'm not worried. Omar still really energetic. Omar still sitting there going, I wish we could run. I wish we could go faster. Like he was still ready to go. Simon at that point, we we get the football was on, and so okay. he was watching Buddy Franklin try to kick a thousand goals, and so he was walking with his phone streaming the football. Sometimes with headphones on, yeah. sometimes just walking, just distracting himself. Yeah. Like literally, stage um, six to set, uh, stage six, which is Lilydale to Croydon, it was all about just getting Simon through. Yeah. Um, it was 12 kilometers. At the end of this, we had done 70 kilometers. We had 30 kilometers to go. Um, we gave a lot of time back on this leg. Mm. We were meant to do the in like two hours 25. We took over three hours. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, we had uh, the checkpoint that we were meant to meet uh, Ingrid, Omar's wife at. We told her to go to the wrong checkpoint. We told her to go to a checkpoint based on last year's course, uh. not this year's course. So we lost a little bit of time yeah. when waiting for her to come there. And then, you know, same thing as the checkpoint before when we saw Channy. Same thing as the checkpoint two before that where we saw Donna. People have driven all the way over here, so you need to spend a little bit of time with them so we probably, against a 30-minute checkpoint with Ingrid, spent nearly 50 minutes. Yeah. So we were slower on the actual walk, and then we were slower in the checkpoint. And next thing you know, that hour or couple of hours that we were ahead of schedule has come right back. Yeah. So I think we left um, that final checkpoint, um, and we were make maybe 15 minutes ahead of our schedule yeah. at that yeah. point. We'd, we kind of lost a lot. Um, you know, the the... It was dark at this point, so headlamps were definitely on. We'd been walking in headlamps for that point. So I could not tell you what the scenery was like at this point. I could not tell you where we were walking, Mm. what we were seeing. We were kind of on footpaths, kind of on gravel trails, kind of in parks, but kind of walking behind houses. It was, you know, apparently the guys have done the walk during daylight hours, and there's not much to it. Okay. But... You know, it, it was what it was. Right. Yeah. You're
0: 70 kilometres
1: in, do you really... 70 kilometres in, yeah.
0: Now, scenery scenery. <laughs> yeah.
1: Now, it's funny because at this point, I'd always said to the guys, if we're going to walk, let's walk to the 70 kilometre mark. We know that we're seeing people at checkpoints all the way up to there. Yeah. Let's not wreck ourselves and injure ourselves and then have to rock up to one of our family and embarrass ourselves. Let's just get to the 70 checkpoint. And then after the 70 checkpoint mark, if people feel like, Doing some running and doing some jogging or stuff like that. Let's see how we go. Mm. It was not an option. <laughs> so uh, I, I think Daryl could have jogged, but probably wouldn't have been the best thing. Daryl just stayed flat through this entire damn thing. Okay. Like Daryl, the rest of us were like we were high at the start, and then over the course of the event, we gradually came. I've down. kind of noticed that about yeah.
0: Daryl when I've run with him a few times, a couple times. You yeah. know, is he just kind of, it's just kind of focus. There's never really a point where you're like, oh, he's in real trouble. No. And if he is in trouble, he just kind of sits there, does his thing, but he never kind of gives yeah. you the
1: feeling that he's in trouble. Yeah, Daryl will be flat until he finishes or he decides to stop. Yeah. Like, I think there's been two runs I've done with Daryl where we've been trucking along and everything's been fine, everything's been fine, and then he said, I'm done. He's just very matter-of-fact. The rest of the time, he'll just go through. Yeah. Whereas Simon tends to... P can have these great things and then at a certain point drop off really quickly. Yeah, It's like, hey, Simon's going great and then bang, he's dropped off. And that's what this was like. First three stages, first four, four stages of Simon, everything seems fine. Stage five, I want to quit. And then at that point it was just getting him through. Right. Omar just complains from the start. Like, <laughs> I think Omar was complaining like three weeks before this damn thing yeah. and just kept that pretty much going through the entire event. That's the Latino yeah. blood, man. He just whinges the whole way. Yeah, that's, so, uh, that's so. know, like
0: my family does that.
1: Omar's the funniest thing with Omar is he bought a GoPro. Oh, yeah. And so he had the GoPro and it was set up and he was going to videotape everything and he had it on the little extender stick and all that sort of stuff. So as we approached, he was going to you know, put the selfie stick out and photograph us all and videotape us all. Broke the stick in the first six kilometers. <laughs> had to hold the GoPro wow. in his hand the rest of the time, uh, which he was very happy with. Um, and then couldn't understand, he spent like $6 on an accessory pack for the <laughs> GoPro. That had like 50 things in it and can't understand why it didn't get quality. So passionate yeah. and cheap. Um, that's Omar. Yeah. That's fair. Um, so it's uh, second last stage. Uh, the stages got really big at this point. Okay. So the stages up to that point had been like 12 kilometers, 10 kilometers, couple of 13 kilometers. This second last stage was 14 kilometers. That seems unfair. And then the last stage was 16 kilometers. That's really like... That so, must
0: have been hard.
1: Um, so what they actually did is they put interim aid stations in the middle of these check of these stages. Cause yeah. they're like, we can't wait for you to get to the checkpoints. Cause you're probably ratchet at this point. Yeah. Let's have these interim f- points as well. Um, so stage seven, we actually hung to our pace. Okay. We were slightly over planned by about five minutes, but honestly it wasn't that bad. Um, what we did though, is we got to the final checkpoint, uh, and we were like, right, we've got to try and get through this checkpoint as, as quickly as possible. We were still there for 18 minutes. Okay. Don't Can't explain how. We we had half an hour banked Yep. at this checkpoint. I feel like we went in, went to the toilet and left, and we were there for 18 minutes. So that was just an example of if you'd asked us what we did in that checkpoint, we'd have told you three things. And you're like, well, that's five minutes. No, 18. Yeah. We basically, we got in there. Whilst we went to the toilet, we got Simon near a heater. Yeah. Um, We asked Simon if he wanted to see the first aid officer. Simon yelled at us and told us to go away. Um, And then he said, like, let's just keep going. So on the trails, he was constantly talking about, I can't go on, I'm slowing you down, I feel really bad. But the second we got to an aid point or a checkpoint, he didn't want to talk about quitting. He just wanted to keep going. So it was kind of this way for him where, you know, whenever there was no real option for him to quit, he was, like, talking about quitting. The second a real option for him to quit presented itself, he didn't want to hear about it. Interesting. Yeah. So I think he he was going through some mental stuff at that point. It's, yeah. a, it's a mental game, you know. Eighty four kilometers into an event, everyone's dealing with some mental stuff at that point. Yeah. yeah.
0: I think uh, you know we all we've said it so many times that the body mm. can do so much more than we think. Yeah. Uh, and it's always the mind that gives out, not always, but most of the time, your mind is ready to give out before your body is. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And so this was this was um, it was well, it was beautiful weather. Like the weather throughout the entire event was perfect, even the last bit um, at night time. We had I'd planned to put on skins and jackets and all this sort of stuff. I ended up still going in shorts. Yeah. Put it. Put a jacket on because we were going slower than I think we'd planned for, and so I needed to have a jacket on to keep myself warm. Simon was down to about fourteen minute kilometers at this point. Okay. So. Compared to an average of eleven, and sort of you know, uh, thinking that we could do like you know low tens, we were definitely at the fourteen uh, minute pace. Stage seven was was not great. He actually got faster. Like the closer we got, we we had a look at the numbers on Monday. The closer he got to the finish, his pace started to come up a little bit. It's like he could sense yeah the finish was coming. But there was that point where um you know we got through the seventh stage, got onto the last stage, sixteen kilometers, pitch black. We've been awake for twenty four hours at this point. No one's talking to each other. Um, headphones were in for a bit, and even headphones annoyed us because um, we didn't want to see that. Um, we saw wombats. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, Omar and I saw like six or seven different wombats wow. and families of wombats in the bush as we're going through it. Yep. Um, the the lowest point was probably about seven or eight kilometres from the end. Yep. Uh, Omar and I were out in front. We're walking along in the dark, not really talking to each other, but just trying to keep ourselves going. And a a team of two from behind us come past, and one of them says, I think your mate back there is really struggling. Oh, man. And it's like, oh, we should stop. And so we stopped and waited for Simon to come. And Simon was like, I'm done. I'm quitting. And we're like, well, you can't quit now, mate. You've got to at least get to the next rest stop. And he's like, no. And he reached out and he grabbed the little reflective tag, and he said, I'll just call the number on the back of this and tell them to come and get me. Wow. And he had his head down, and the three of us looked at each other like, what do we do? Yeah. Like, what do we do right now? And then someone said something, and he was like, ugh, and started going again. And <laughs> I would give anything to know what that person I, said. I, I think Daryl just said, come on. Come on, mate. Like, oh, come on. And he was like, Oh, if I have to. It's like when you try and tell a toddler yeah. to clean their stuff out of the bathroom, he's like, Oh, if I have to, I'll do it. Oh. Um, so this was about two hours to go before we finished and we pushed through and we got to the checkpoint or the midpoint checkpoint and they said to us at the start they might be unmanned. This one actually had people there and I was like Simon do you want to go in and get your foot looked at? No. What are you going to do? Just keep going. Just let me keep going. I'm like fair enough. Alright we'll just keep going and so we just kept going. So the last seven kilometres we just took time getting through um, once we get to like four, once we saw a sign that said three kilometers to go, yeah, everything was okay at that yeah. point. you know, we were we were fine. But there was, you know, I'm glad he didn't pull out because if we'd had to take him into that checkpoint and drop him off and get him out of the event and wait for him to get picked up or something, he would have actually cost us more time than what he did, continuing to walk along and slowing us down by a couple of minutes per See, kilometer. See,
0: I was thinking, yeah. I was thinking you know, had he stopped Knowing Simon, he would have been really just so hard on himself. Yeah. Uh, and you're like, yeah, if we had uh, if he had to stop, he would have just slowed us down.
1: Well, no, Daryl was saying that to him all the time. Daryl's like, yeah. mate, if you stop this, you're so close. Yeah. You're within. He'd never forgive himself. Yeah. I mean, I mean admittedly, Daryl started telling him he was so close with 52 kilometers to go. Uh, that was a little excessive. He's like, come on, mate, you're nearly halfway there. Only another 50 to go. I hate that. <laughs> you're almost there. It's like, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. I just started I hate you. I have another ultra to go. But Shut your mouth. Once you get to seven kilometers to go, it's like, come on. And seven Seven kilometres took us an hour and a half. Yeah. So it took us a long time, but we we made it. He made it. Um, We finished in 23 hours and 15 minutes. Pretty good. Against a target time, a plan of 23 hours 45. Yeah. So we were within half an hour of our plan, which shows that our plan at least had some merit. Yeah. We just went way faster in the start and middle part and way slower at the end Mm -hmm. than we would have. Um, It was actually pretty funny we crossed the line. There were seven people waiting at the finish line there. so What time is this now? Uh, this, this is, is 5.15 5 in the morning. Okay, 5.15 yep. in the morning. There was really no one there. Um, Omar, he'd started to struggle a little bit with 5Ks to go because he was like, I'm just over this. I'm so jack of this. Can we please finish? Mm. Um, once he finished... Omar and Simon basically went into shock. We had to get their space blankets out oh, and wow. wrap them in the middle blankets and put them under a heater and go get them some hot chocolate and coffee and stuff to yeah. try and get. And then call an Uber. When they got in the Uber, turn the heater up straight away. Yeah. Um, we.
0: <laughs> I'm so sorry for that Uber.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, he was. He had no idea what we were doing. Yeah. He's like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, Surviving. we just. Did, we just did 100 <laughs> kilometers. Why? <laughs> uh, for charity. What do you get? Nothing. Why do you do it? For like, charity. Yeah, for charity. <laughs> he he could not get it. He couldn't understand yeah. it. The guys in the back seat of the Uber were alternating between comatose and um delirious. Yeah. Like there was they were they I was like they were shaking. You know, the full on shakes mm. where someone can't stop shaking. They both had that going. Wow. Um so I got I got Simon and Omar back to my mum's place, got them under the shower, um, got them down for a power nap. We had a power nap or so just to make sure we were safe to drive back to back to home. Yeah. Um, we left Daryl at the finish line. Um, <laughs> of course you did. Daryl had it in his head from day one that once he'd finished the 100km Oxfam, it finishes right next to a park run.
0: Oh, what a crazy mamma jamma. And
1: he's never done that park run before. And so he stayed under a heater for another two hours until the park run started. And then did an hour 15 park run. What a freak. Yeah. Had his, had his family come out and do it with him. That's uh, crazy. Yeah. And apparently he just sat by the heater, got like three or four hot chocolates just to keep moving and have something to do. Oh my God. Um, applauded every 10 minutes when a new team came through.
0: Because um, <laughs> that's like, I mean, from 5.15 to 7.50 when briefing yeah. time is, that would have been the longest, most crappy two yeah. and a half hours Appar- ever.
1: Apparently he didn't sleep. Like I asked him, I'm like, do you think you fell asleep? He said, nah, I was too I was too cold to fall asleep." Yeah. But he was falling asleep in the car on the way home. Yeah. Well. Um. I was talking because because we by the time we got back to my mum's place, had a change and shower and everything. It was about six thirty in the morning, so she got up, and she popped out to talk to me. I fell asleep when she was talking to me. <laughs> she was talking to me. She's like, "Well," and then next thing I know, it's like I've woken up, and an hour and a half is gone. Yep. But um, yeah. So we we were we were pretty wrecked. Um, to be honest. Um. But we got back to got back home. Saturday was just want to sleep, but know that if I sleep, I'll sleep until night time, and then I'll yeah. be awake all night. So You'll just jet lag yourself. Just trying to stay awake. Um, the soreness got worse and worse and worse as the day went on. Yeah. So it wasn't that bad. When, like when we finished, I felt fine. When I woke up at Mum's place after a power nap, I felt a little bit stiff. By the end of the day, I was really quite sore. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the we actually got out of it okay. Blister. We all had blisters. But not as bad as you'd think. Mm. Um, no one had any bad injuries. No one fell. No twisted ankles. Nothing like that. That's so, good. So yeah, that's the stage by stage sort of uh, summary of, of how it went. Um,
0: and how are you doing now? How are you feeling now?
1: How did so I did. Uh, I did a four-kilometer walk yesterday. Yeah. Felt fine. I, so that so we did the event on Friday. We finished on Saturday. Sunday, Monday. My calves were so sore. Mm. My calves were absolutely killing me. It gets back to what we were saying at the very start. It uses different muscles. Yeah. My quads not sore at all. My hamstrings not sore at all. Um, my main meat of my glutes not sore at all. What was sore was my ankle joints and my knee joints. Yeah. My the stabilizers around my knee, like the inside quads, yep. were sore. And the very outside glutes were sore. And then my calves were sore. So very different. Like the small muscle groups just got so overtaxed going for 24 hours that they were killing. But the big muscle groups that I'm used to running with, they were fine. But when you walk, you don't push off with your leg in a running motion. No. You kind of use your leg you, as a lever.
0: Yeah, you use your whole foot and everything yeah. below the knee gets taxed. And so
1: the joints is what really felt it. And so this morning, I felt okay, muscle-wise, went to the local oval to do a run, got two Ks in, and my joints were just sore again. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, it looks like it's going to be for the next week or so. Mm. Every day, just try and add a kilometer Yeah. Uh, and get back uh, to it. Um, but yeah, apart from that, my... my Immune system's pretty short. Like, I feel tired. Yeah. Um, I donated blood on Tuesday. Ballsy. And I was like, the lady's like, how do you think, uh, how are you feeling? I said, to be honest, I feel tired. I'm really interested to see how my hemoglobin goes. Yeah. Because I was like, have my iron levels been so deplenished you from I, doing the event? I, I would yeah. love
0: to see, for either one of us on a big event, get one of those patches that actually takes all yeah. that data as you're going.
1: That would be amazing. That'd be, I think we should do that. But yeah, we should. It was it was crazy. But, but overall, I'm feeling good. I saw the boys. Like, we were all terrible on... Hmm. Uh, Saturday, Sunday but I went and saw them on Monday night and Daryl was like oh, I could run tomorrow if I needed to. I don't want to. I'm not going to. That is fair. But I could if I wanted to. Um, Simon is oscillating between I'm never going to run again to maybe I'll let you sign me up for next year. <laughs> um, Omar and I are already sitting there going like in the debrief on Monday I was like we had the worst possible experience we could have with Daryl being injured yeah. and Simon not having fun at all for the last literally 8 to 10 hours. Yeah. And we still went 2315. And to put it into comparison, 2315 puts us as team 45, okay, out of over a 200. That's nice. So we're in the top 25%. That's nice. Only 13 teams went under 20 hours. Wow. So I think we conservatively, if we finished this one in 2315, I think we could have done 22. We could go out three weeks from now and do 22.
0: Knowing what you know. Knowing
1: what we know now. Sure. And if we got really, um, not aggressive, but really efficient with our rest stops. Um, Like my brother-in-law was amazing. Luke turned up. He was like, here's your stuff. Sat there, watched us. We put our stuff in the back of his unit. He went, see ya. (laughs) He wasn't there for a chat because he lives 10 minutes down the road. Yeah. For him, it's no skin off his nose. Yeah. And he's like, oh, yeah, whatever, cool. I'm not invested in this. I think you guys are idiots. Fair enough. It's interesting. So if we could get him to do every checkpoint, yeah. Then we'd be in and out really quickly. Yeah. Uh, And it's also local for him. So that means we'd be more efficient in the checkpoints. If Daryl's knee isn't hurting and we can jog a bit of it, that would be good. Mm. And if we can get Simon's fueling right, I mean, yeah, I feel. Like I was saying to the guys, I'm taking great encouragement from this event. Yeah. Because it was probably the worst possible performance we could have. Yeah. Like we could not do worse than that, bar an actual like injury. Sure. Or something. So, but but yeah, the, the um, I guess the final th- or the 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 summary thoughts of the events is the walking is just so much different to running. Yep. We did not do enough specific walking training, and that is a big thing we would try for next time is the Oxfam guide says, get out and do an eight-hour walk, a 10-hour walk. And you're like, why? Why would I do that? Because it's different. Mm. It's just different to do that than to do the running. Um, I packed twice as much as I needed. So I only carried what I needed on the actual legs, but the poor people that needed to bring my gearbox to the yeah. checkpoints, I had so much more stuff than I needed. Yeah, but it's
0: better to have and not need than need not it's, have, you know?
1: It, the only stuff I didn't, have enough of was the thing I actually needed was a band-aid yeah. so I didn't have any band-aids in my kit at all for really? some reason yeah it's the one thing I forgot Okay. I had two packets of chips I had 14 packets of trail mix I had a kilogram of beef jerky that's an exaggeration I had 200 grams of beef jerky I had a family sized pack of Tim Tams <laughs> I had um, salt, ch- sweet chili cashews I had so much food I had four changes of t-shirts but I had no band-aids I had just enough socks to get through the event and I f- couldn't work my battery charger for the first two checkpoints and so I only ran out of battery well bummer so yeah I had but it was it's just the thing where if you needed to you can actually get by with a little bit less stuff but it was good to have more stuff just in case yeah um the big tip if you're going to try and do this sort of thing competitively is stop when you need to but only stop for as long as you need to yeah um the clock moves quicker when you're in a checkpoint. Stop time is dead time. There is stuff that you do in a checkpoint that you can do on the road if you need to. Um, like we stopped an eight at two checkpoints, three checkpoints. The best teams don't do that. Yeah. The best checkpoints just go teams just go through. Mm. And you know, you need to be a little bit if you're gonna get through it quickly, you need to be a little bit ruthless with your with your people. Um, it's a tough event for the support crew. It's yep. made even tougher when they're further away. But the thing is, the longer you're out there, the more it hurts. Yeah. So if you can get through the event... You know what they say? The best marathon is your fastest marathon. Yeah. Because if you're fit enough to do it fast, then you're fit enough to recover quickly. Yeah. The second you get out after 16 hours, the good news is your body won't get any worse. <laughs> yeah. The bad news is your body is as broken as it's going to get. Yeah. So think about that. At the 16-hour mark, we went for another eight hours after that. Mm. So, yeah, it was pretty tough. But, but Daryl's... Daryl's knee injury was not a problem. It wasn't a worry at all. Um, His fitness got better. Simon was a problem. Um, It was his worst possible day. And if that's his worst possible day and he's still in the top 25% of teams... Pretty good. That's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Omar was great and strong throughout. I mean, you know, I think Omar would have benefited if we'd gone faster. Yeah. Because I think, you know, he suffered more from tiredness and fatigue. Me... um, Probably the two things that distinguished my event, if if you ask people, I had some of the worst chafing Mm. on this event. I I threw on a different pair of... I normally wear really tight compression shorts. I didn't want anything super tight for this, so I threw on another pair, which were slightly looser, but they were baggier in the crotch.
0: And had you ever trained
1: not any? not for this distance. Well <laughs> I'd never done anything of this distance. Yeah. I I'd, I'd done long runs, like three hour long runs in them. Sure. But this was completely different. I swear my crotch area was swallowing these things at one point. I spent half the walk just scratching myself, trying to get rid of yes. this chafing, until I could get some of that anti chafe cream. Yeah. And just lathered it up. Yeah. Like, you know, like you're rubbing a Christmas ham with with glaze. <laughs> That's what it was like down there. It was That's like, a you know, fun visual. Oh, it was wonderful to see, you know, the, <laughs> the sound as the fingers go into the tub and, <laughs> and just stop slopping it around. But I that, hate
0: everything about you.
1: But that was the, it was, it was bad. <laughs> I was constantly scratching myself when someone asked if I had a wild animal down there. Yeah. I said, no more than normal. Fair enough. But yeah, so that was bad. And the other thing was, sorry, listeners, my flatulence was out of control <laughs> on this event. It was it was horrible. It was
0: like beef jerky.
1: It was something. It was something in my diet in the event leading up to it. Um, two toilet stops on the event yeah. over 24 hours. Um, one of them in Upway, yeah. um, which we thought that would probably take the edge off. But the volume and sound and quantity of my flatulence did not abate. Well, that's for, entertaining at least. For the rest of the walk. And then with about five kilometers to go... I realised I wasn't going to make it to the next checkpoint or public toilet or anything like that. So I had to go bush for a little bit. Yeah. Um, so I the, the path was going straight. So I headed right and headed off a couple of hundred metres into the bush to yep. find a little place and dig a hole, only to see the headlamps of the team coming back towards me because the path had done a hairpin. Oh, that's embarrassing. And was cu- and so the guys ended up passing within about 10 metres of where... I thought I was in the middle of the bush. Yeah. But I was actually 10 metres off the path Sucks. that they were all walking past. So. Hi. But I was a little committed at that point. Uh, there's not much um, you can do. So there's not much I could do. So, um, yeah, apart from that, you know, it's a luxury being a bloke on events yeah. like this because you can pee wherever you want. Yeah. And there was a lot of peeing going on um, because you're drinking so much. Um but yeah, the rest of the boys were very well behaved in terms of their toilet habits, but I was not. No, I was, well, I was an absolute disgrace. You're
0: an ultra runner. As, as I've said before, <laughs> ultra runners will do anything anywhere. So Yes, right once, on.
1: once the code brown signal goes off, you're, you're like every man for themselves. That's it. Yeah. That's it. So Oxfam, would do again. Yeah. Will do again. Yeah. Definitely feels like unfinished business. Um, I think the rest of the boys feel the same although Simon thinks that business nearly finished me, so maybe he's he's not quite there. Mm. Um, but but I'm immensely proud uh, of what the guys did. And like I said, worst possible performance I think we could have still in the top 25%.
0: Yeah, well, mm. congratulations to all of you, man. That's, Thank you, man. That's amazing. I'm glad you guys finally got a chance to do it. I'm mm. glad you went into such detail, especially at the end there. Yeah. Thank you very much yep. on the tail end of that. <laughs> yep. Um. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing how you recover, how you run. Um,
1: yeah, you try and get out tomorrow. Tomorrow, try and go back to the Oval again. Yeah. Try and do 3Ks. Basically, get, take whatever the body will give me yeah. over the next couple of days. I figure if I can add a K of running on a day from this point onwards, then next week I'll be back to about 14Ks for a long run on the weekend. Yeah. And I've got... What is it now? I've got seven weeks till my next event,
0: which is what Great Ocean Road. Oh right, of course. yeah. So now you're doing the marathon.
1: You haven't yet done the sixty k for that one yet, have you? I've entered the sixty k. You did? Yeah, I entered it. Okay. Yep. Yeah, so I've entered the sixty ks, which is going to be interesting. Okay, cause because they have a
0: hard cutoff at what six and a, six and a half, half hours. Uh, yeah. Okay. So
1: six and a half hours cut off for the sixty ks, but the uh, the elevation is about a thousand meters or so. That's not bad. So it's not the worst event I've ever done. Yeah. Um, but it's it's all in two hills. All right. So that's the thing. Um, and also two weeks before the event, I'm going to the Philippines. Jesus. So I've realistically, with seven weeks to go, I've got five weeks from now, recovering from a 100-kilometer Oxfam, to train to a point where I can then take two weeks off in the Philippines, and then come back and five, four days after I get back from the Philippines, run a 60K Ultra. Well...
0: If you're gonna do it, you might as well go ballsy.
1: I'm pretty much just going to ramp up my training for the next five weeks, mm. and the 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 Sunday before we go away, I'll do a, I'll ramp up to like a 40 kilometer long run or something, and then hopefully find a treadmill or something or laps of the car park or yeah, I don't know, we'll figure it out. You will have to. Gonna have to. Got no, no choice. No. I'm entered now. Yeah. That's going to be fun. So mm. we'll obviously
0: talk about that after the uh, after the fact. Hopefully that's not our next episode.
1: No, I mean, yeah, we'll, yeah. Let's do another episode before eight weeks. Yeah. Please. Well, we've got we've
0: got some stuff we want to talk about because obviously now that we're both sort of uh, have a bit of a calming period now, where there's no immediate events. Uh, you know, we we do have ideas coming out, mm. so we're hopefully going to get back into that. You know, how to mm. sort of um, type of episode. So we'll talk about different types of runs, different types of training, different types of pretty much everything mm-hmm. and and get into some kind of technical stuff for those of you who love that stuff. And
1: We should try and do find another interview.
0: I think I think so. Uh, matter of fact, oh yeah, that's right, I haven't told you about this. We do have another interview coming from uh, Mike Ginsell. So he was, okay, he was yeah. on the podcast. Yeah. He's one of my clients. Uh, he just ran his first 10K. Ooh. Uh, and he did much better than he thought he would want to do. So I coached him through that. You know, just just, you know, a very, very light co- uh, program uh, kind of couch to 10k and he only had like six weeks so yeah. it was kind of a crash course and he did great so we're going to hopefully set that up in the next week or two awesome done uh, so there you go Right cool. on. anything else no
1: that's all from me
0: alright well look everybody Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Breaking the Barrier Podcast. Congratulations, Zach, once again on Oxfam and now being part of the podcast more than you haven't been part of it.
1: And congratulations to Omar, Daryl, and Simon. Indeed. They were there too. You know, everyone needs their, you know, backing band. You know, Diana Ross had the Supremes. I've got L FaceBooks.
0: I love it. Yeah, I love it. We gotta get you guys a theme song. <laughs> Alright, everybody, thank you so much for listening. We will catch you out there on the roads, the treadmills, and the trails.